Hello, welcome to Bees with Ben podcast. Thank you for joining us today and we're really glad to have you here. This podcast is designed for you, a community of enthusiastic, like-minded people who want to hear the journeys of others, learn more about these crucial, fascinating insects and how to become better beekeepers. Here's your host, Ben Moore. Hey everybody, Bees with Ben. Got a ripper, ripper episode. The reason why this is a ripper one, because I have the original Queen Bee online. We're going to be talking about candles, beeswax. Uh, this is absolutely amazing. I've got Kate Burton, who I'm super excited to uh, to have on. She's had a business for coming up to 20 years, and she is an absolutely amazing, amazing woman. And there's so much sort of history. I'm going to hear about this little, this fancy, uh, old, uh, almost prehistoric candle making machine in a warehouse. Uh, thank you so much for your time, Kate. Really appreciate you uh, coming on board. That's quite the intro. <laughs> I've got a lot to live up to. <laughs> no, you're absolutely amazing. We're lucky we met. I, uh, I had a girlfriend uh, a couple of years ago. I used to go to Sydney every other weekend and uh, we, we met. That was a few years ago now. Yeah. You popped in to see uh, Kershey. Kershey, Kershey, that's right. The German, yeah, paper machine. That's right, Kershey. So tell us about Kershey. So Kershey, uh, I found Kershey by accident. Um, I'd started with rolling beeswax candles and established the business that way while I was still working full time. Yes, okay. And then once it was busy enough to support me, I left full time work. Okay. Um, and decided that I would broaden my range um, because hand-rolled candles come in at a particular price point that you can't reduce. Um, anyway, so I started, when I decided to get into pouring beeswax candles, I was looking for equipment, and I ended up meeting someone who knew of a couple near Byron who had had a candle business, and they had lost their son in a car accident uh, and decided that, you know, a year later, they weren't interested in running the business anymore. Yeah. Um, so they closed it and they auctioned off everything and no one was prepared to pay what they wanted for Kirschi, this old German vintage, it's over 100 years old, wow, German yes. taper machine. Um, and so Kirschi and a water-jacketed melter got put into their shed um, for five years, unbeknownst to me, and I, I was unknown to them at the time. Okay. And five years later, I was talking to someone, I don't actually even remember who it was, but who knew of them and knew of equipment that they'd put in their shed five years earlier okay. and put us in touch. Um, and I ended up buying those. They didn't make these like candles, but I ended up buying those two pieces of equipment. Um, Kershey has 240 moulds in it. She weighs about two and a half tonnes. Wow, yes, yes. Um, I've just spent over $8,000, you know, having a bit of a spruce up done. Um, and she's left to the Powerhouse Museum in my will. Okay. And, uh, and we have a love-hate relationship. <laughs> I love it. And uh, so two and a half tonne. And, and so, so yes. how, how does she work? So for the listeners, like she's, a, she's an absolute beautiful machine. Like how, how yeah, does she work? Yeah, there's photographs online. So yes. she has um, – there's a clamping bar on top of her 
um, which is made out of flat bar steel and beautiful timber holders that you wind the candles up into. And then that has over a thousand different lock nuts in it. So you can um, control how the wick is centered in the candle below. So you wind up yesterday's pour, clamp it into this clamping bar, and that then means that your molds underneath are empty. Um, And then you wind the piston heads down to whatever length of candle you're wanting to make. Um, And pour. You stand at the end uh, with a 16-litre bucket of beeswax and just pour, and it uh, continuously fills each of the moulds while it runs down. Hopefully that describes it uh, well enough. And then with paraffin, you would be able to do one pour per hour. So you heat the machine, pour the candles, then you cool the machine with cold water um, and raise the candles and you can do a pour an hour later. With beeswax, what I learned the hard way is that we can do one pour per day. Wow. Um, Wow. Not per hour. So we have to let the wax cool at her own. We can't speed up the cooling process without it affecting getting cracks in the candles. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Wow, that's that's yeah. what, and what a beautiful machine. As I said, I'll, I'll, I'll um just in uh, online. Speaking online, you've got a Instagram page, which is we do. Yes, and okay. she's on there. She's on there. So okay. our Instagram handle is at Queen and the letter B, not the word at Queen B Candles. Okay, awesome. Um, and there's photographs of Kershey up there. There's probably also video. And she is an engineering marvel. I don't actually know that the Powerhouse Museum want her, to be honest. Yes. Um, but I couldn't bear the thought of this technology. You know, it was because she was made so long ago, over 100 years ago, before there were CNC routers and laser cutters. Yes. And yep. It's an extraordinary feat of engineering. She was actually made before there was water pressure. And so we worked out fairly early on that by flowing water directly into her to warm her, um, we were blowing the pistons. And so I found a plumber who specialised in radiators and I now have a toilet system um, and a copper chimney, a stainless steel toilet system and a copper chimney up on my wall. Um, and basically, Koshi has her own hot water tank, and this toilet system um, and chimney take the water pressure out when we're um, when we're warming her and flowing the hot water into it to warm yes. the machine. Um, it goes through the circuitous route that removes the water pressure. Um, so, as I say, love hate. Love hate. There's uh, there's been a huge amount of drama. Um, with her, including when I did decide recently to have her fixed, um, a friend said that his father-in-law, who was 81, was an extraordinary um, toolmaker and machinist, and because he was retired, um, he would be happy to come in and help, and Koshi broke both him and me. Wow, um, okay. With okay. 12 weeks of I mean, it was catastrophic, the damage that was done to her in those 12 weeks. Yes. And so then I had to get a super expensive mechanical engineer to come in and fix everything um, that had been done. But, you know, luckily he uh, he was 
perfect yes. and able to fix it. Um, so she's it, back in action. Back in action. Is there any other Kershies in Australia? I actually don't know, to be honest. They're okay. modern Kershies. So Kirschner was bought by another German. So Kirschner is a German brand yes. and it was bought by another um, German candle machinery company called Herhammer. Um, so the biggest issue is that the new equipment is sort of upwards of 100,000 euros um, per machine. And if you're only getting one pour per day, uh, that is completely um, nonsensical. You could never justify the expense. Yes. So we a few years ago I went to Italy and I found the company that made candles for the Vatican. Um, they're actually paraffin, but... Uh, I was still just interested and I had emailed them a couple of months before I was going to Rome and they just never emailed me back. Okay. I think kind of thinking, why would we show another candle maker through our business? Okay. Um, but I ended up going into one of their stores and chatting to what turned out to be one of the owners. And it was owned by sisters, two women in their 40s. And I think that they just saw me as another woman in my 40s and went, oh, she's not competition. Yes, you know, yeah. they make beeswax. I don't work with paraffin. And so they did invite me out to their um, factory, which is about an hour out of Rome. Yes. Um, and it was mind-blowing. They had 20 kerchiefs. No side way. By side. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, pouring tapers, like one pour every hour. Um, they had a tea light machine, also from her hammer, which did 50,000 tea lights an hour. 50,000 tea lights, wow. 50,000 tea lights. So they, <laughs> their tea light line, they just put the new line in and it had cost them over 500,000 euros to Ooh. put this line in. Um, but that would basically pour our full year's production of tea lights in, you know, four hours. Yes. So, you know, it's that we've got to be... We don't have those shortcuts available to us in beeswax. Yes. Um, yeah, anyway, is, it was yeah. fascinating to see and it was amazing to meet, you know, other can candle makers. Excellent. Yeah. And it's actually yeah. interesting, Kate, that you mentioned obviously they're using paraffin. Now, you think sort of yeah. for more religious sort of um, ceremonies and, and for reasons they want, you think they'd want beeswax? You know, well, unless you're a realist, which I am, and at the risk of offending your audience, um, you know, some of the churches are the biggest hypocrites around. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And I always say to them, how, if the light of a candle represents the light of Christ, yes. are you saying that, you know, the light of Christ is 51 or 49% toxic? Yes. Because basically they say that candles need to be 51% beeswax. Okay, okay. So the light of Christ is 49% toxic. 49%, like, yeah. It, it just makes no sense to me at all and I think is, you know, probably one of the reasons why religion is becoming less and less um, prevalent. Yes, yep. Maybe. Yep, yes. You know, it's sort of been humanized and yes. human beings have come in and applied all their own compromises and their own focus on money 
Um, and, you know, I think more and more people aren't interested in signing up to that version yes. of religion. They're interested in signing up to spirituality or to there being a higher power. Um, but anyway, that's just my personal view. We do have some churches that order from us. Okay. Um, yep. Yep. We work with a few Greek Orthodox churches and we work with uh, some Anglican churches, um, you know, and we're always here. In fact, ironically, we have a church on the North Shore of Sydney um, who they had come to see my neighbour who's a sculptor and then they popped round and it was the treasure that popped round and I, so I was talking to him about it. And um, I ended up sending him away with uh, a candle that would fit one of their holders uh, with him saying he didn't think they could justify the price. Yes, yeah. And we ended up winning the business based on the burn time. Okay. These like candles burn for so much longer that he lit our candle and he lit one of the paraffin candles that they were using and in an hour, the paraffin candle burned four centimetres and our candle burned one centimetre. Wow, okay. And so actually he could justify it as yes. money saving. It had nothing to do with the fact that bees were created by God to make life. To make, yes. Um, he actually justified it, you know, financially. And that's good. Yes. How, how, you know? how interesting is that, Kate? You know, I mean, it's sort of, yeah. and I did not know that. You know, and obviously, paraffin for the listeners, that's like that's a petroleum-based product, really, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. When you um, when they process petroleum into all the different products, diesel or leaded or you know, blah blah blah, there's a layer of wax that separates out from the raw petroleum, and that is paraffin. It's a, it's a sort of a bluey-grey colour initially, yes. yep, yep. and then they chemically bleach that. Okay. Yep. Um, I mean, apples are coated in paraffin. Yes. That's why you should always buy organic apples, yes. unless you want to eat a mouthful of petrochemical with yes. your apple. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it is fascinating that... It's fascinating the things that have been allowed without proper research being done into it. Yes, yep. Yeah. And as far as um, obviously with um, you know beeswax and the price, like now let's go, let's rewind the clock back. You know, twenty years, two decades ago. You know, getting yeah, beeswax then when I started, when you started, yeah. and beeswax now. Like you yeah. know, you've got a obviously you work really well with um with beekeepers and so you've got that loyalty and so forth you know getting the beeswax but are you finding there's an issue you know with getting wax and the actual price a, of it a few years ago yes when the drought had hit really badly um we were very badly affected got down to sort of my last few blocks of wax um. And at that stage, a lot of beekeepers were thinking of their beeswax as superannuation yes, and just yep. kept it in their shed. Yep. And so I managed to get out of that crisis. A friend of mine introduced me to a beekeeper down near Dalesford, and he had seven tonne of wax sitting in his shed. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, so yeah. that got me. And then I've just never made the same mistake. Yes, um, yep. my, the beekeepers that I work with... Uh, 
save their best wax for me. It doesn't hit the market. Um, I pay above market for the wax. um, And I pay up front. Yes, yes. I pay freight. Yes. Uh, I buy in one ton lots. Yep. Um, So I, I, in business, I'm a big fan of win-win. And I try and understand anyone that I'm dealing with. I try to understand what their business is and what their needs are. And then I, I suppose I structure what I'm offering with that in mind. So I know everyone just wants to be paid. Okay, great. I'll pay up front. Um, My beekeepers, I would say practice. And I'm making this up as I go, but I think they practice something that would be akin to slow beekeeping. Okay. Like the yes. slow food movement. Yes, yes, yes. Um, they don't take shortcuts. They don't overheat their wax. Um, they probably be a bit more traditional okay. yep. in the yep. way that they beekeep. All of my beekeepers would be second, third, fourth generation. I don't okay. have a single first generation beekeeper. Okay. Yep. Um, because I like I like the old fashioned approach yes, yes. to things. I like beekeepers that work in hand in hand with nature yep. as opposed to this is again just personal view. Um I think that if you look at a lot of the problems overseas, particularly in the US, it's where humans have become maybe a bit arrogant about beekeeping or and about agriculture. So, you know, I read somewhere there's seven hundred thousand hectares of almond plantations in California. And they literally kill Mm. every single plant growing underneath the arm trees. Now, almond isn't a particularly good source of protein, and mm. it's not a particularly good nectar flow mm. either. Mm. Um, the protein, uh, sorry, the pollen isn't a particularly high protein pollen. Um, so, their bees come off almond pollen pollination in a pretty bad state, and then then truck them for four days across the US mm. to the next pollination. I to me and they you know they feed them pollen cakes mm. which don't actually have any pollen on them in them that's yeah they chemically constituted to resemble pollen uh and I think bees are too clever for that mm. yes. I wouldn't show up to work either <laughs> that's true give me that that's true so you know they call it disappearing bees yes well I just reckon nature's getting her own back yes and going nuts not interested. So, you know, I personally, I try and run Queen Bee with a bit of humility um, in the sense of beeswax is different to work with every single day and every beekeeper would know that and every beekeeper Mm. would know that extracting Mm. different honeys are different every day. And if you're not paying attention, um, nature will bitch slap you. Yes. <laughs> that's, I'm that's, sorry. I'm that, no, no, no I love it. Absolutely love it, Kate. And but I love, I, yeah, that's how I feel. But like yes. it's, you know, it's at your own peril do you treat Mother Nature with disdain or contempt or arrogance. Yes. Um, um, so I love that 
our Australian beekeepers, you know, have been largely unaffected by colony collapse disorder mm, yeah. and the various issues that they mm. having overseas. I still lament that there are some beekeepers in Australia or people in Australia that are that yes. uh, I'm going to just probably risk offending people, but that's that fine. are that yeah. unethical. Yes, yeah, of course. Yeah. That they yeah. will bring beeswax in from China, mm. knowing that it is going to completely taint uh, Australian beeswax, which will affect all Australian beekeepers once it gets into the wax mm. supply here. Yes, yeah. um, so I'm sure there are beekeepers out there that aren't practicing um, slow beekeeping or traditional beekeeping methods. Uh, that's just not what I choose to support. Yes. And I love, you're such Sorry. a purist, Kate. You know, I love what you're doing because you, you don't even, uh, with your candles, you don't even add any oils, any essential oils. No, or anything. no, I no. Love so every essential oil comes with a material safety data sheet that says uh, do not combust this yeah, oil because yes. it creates polycyclic hydrocarbons. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it makes no sense to me to turn something that is completely non-toxic to burn and perfect just as it's made by bees into toxic to burn, um, you know, so that you can achieve some marketing purpose. Yes, yeah. Uh, because everyone thinks that they want scented candles. Uh, I think people want education. Yes, yep. And I'm wrong. In a, in a lot of cases, I'm wrong. Um, a lot of people do just want scented candles, and they're not interested in being educated, and when they are educated, it doesn't change No, it doesn't. Yes, yep, yep. And that's fine too. That's just not my gig. No, no. But there's, people are going to appreciate, you know, this pure product, you know, artisanal handcrafted product that you're making. I think our customers it. do. Yes, yeah. yes. It doesn't appeal to everyone. Yes. Um, and that's why, you know, I think the older I get, the less apologetic I get for just being who I am. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love that. Love that. And, and what about, if you don't mind me say, asking the question, to give us a size of the scale of how many candles you go through, uh, sell, um, how many tons... How many tonne of bees? Oh, how many tonnes of wax? We're probably 10 tonne of wax a year. 10 tonne? Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. That's amazing. And I have to, you know, I source literally from right up at the New South Wales-Queensland border um, down as far south as Maryborough in Victoria um, and as far west as Central Western Plains. So, and that's, Again, that was something that I learned from the drought. Okay. Um, you know, it's very seldom, like when the bushfires struck New South Wales, um, there were, because I had beekeepers in other areas, I was protected somewhat from the fallout because okay. literally I had beekeepers that lost dozens, if not hundreds of hives. And so they were badly affected, but I had other beekeepers that were able to supply me with wax. Yes, okay, yep. Yeah. yeah. And and what about the your business? So you've been going for 20 years. Where do you see yourself in the next 20 years, Kate? Uh, I've always, you know, if you had have spoken to me 18 years ago, yes, yep. I was going to be the body shop of beeswax candles. Um, and I just thought that as soon as you told someone that a paraffin candle was toxic or that a soy candle was toxic to burn, 
I just thought everyone would go, oh, my God, I'll never burn a toxic candle again and let mm. me tell 20 of my friends. So I really thought that we would achieve world domination uh, <laughs> a lot quicker than, <laughs> quicker than we are. I don't think we're even dominating Brookvale at this stage. Okay. Um, so who knows? Who knows where we'll go? Uh, thankfully, I've run a business that has largely been sustainable for yes. 20 years. Yes. Yep. Um, I work seven days a week, you know, which is just what this business requires. And thankfully, I am so passionate about these beekeepers, regional communities, Australian-made, and the environment uh, that I'm happy to work seven days. Yes. So yeah. it's not done under duress. No, you're passionate. You're passionate. You yeah. just love what you do. So that's yeah, yeah. exactly. No, love, love that. It's actually I've got coming up on a podcast. Trevor Weatherhead is um is on yes. the uh, board from yeah from Arbic. Yeah, Arbic, yeah. And the listeners, I'll be having him interviewing him um, shortly. And it's actually this is going to be this big movement to actually ban. You know this this paraffin um, uh, wax foundation because that's what's happening because of the price of. Well, that, I just mm. emailed him about that because I've ju- I just read the minutes of the yes, AGM. Yes, yes, yes. And there was something in there about tainted honey mm. or honey imports, but yes. nothing about um, beeswax imports. So yes. I emailed him. Um, you know, and the other big players in the beeswax side of things, saying wherever we're mentioning tainted honey or honey imports, can we please include beeswax in that conversation? Yes. Um, Because if any, I mean, you know, the ethics of honey importation and blending with Australian honey and labelling, etc., has been going on for decades. The advent of imported beeswax is new. Yes. And it's Mm. catastrophic Mm. and it's stupid. It is. is. Um, And I don't know why the government doesn't just ban it. Mm. Like all in the name of money. Yes, yes. Um, yep. It infuriates me. Yes. Mm. Yeah, totally, absolutely, totally agree, Kate. And hopefully, uh, you know, there is this movement that's just starting to, as you said, it's happened with the honey and people more aware, but it needs to happen more with the with um, you know, paraffin wax coming from overseas. Yes. Um, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Some of us are like the bigger buyers, you know, have systems in place to recognise or to find beeswax that is tainted with paraffin. Yes. Um, but I I haven't had any come through here yep. because my beekeepers are so special yes. and so clever. Um, but I know E.C. Tobin in Bathurst um, has had a few beekeepers trying to sell him wax that was tainted. Now, they when he showed them that the wax was tainted with paraffin, they all expressed shock and horror yeah. Yeah. Um, that it was so. But who knows whether they knew. Um, you know, yes. on at face value, if he had have accepted that work, um, and he's a massive processor of beeswax into yeah. foundation combs, yeah. Yeah. that would have sent it right throughout the industry. Yes, yes. So, you know, I it's like Baromite and everyone's saying it's not a matter of 
if. Yes. It's yeah. a matter of when. Yeah. And I've never subscribed to that. Yeah. I've always just thought rubbish. We just have to keep being vigilant. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And no, I don't accept that Varroa mite will absolutely get here. Um, I don't see that as a fate accompli. And I would hate to accept that Australian beeswax is going to be tainted. I think if we all do our jobs properly, yes, um, if yep. beekeepers create zero demand for Chinese imported um, foundation comb, then the idiot that is uh, importing it will have no business. Mm. And thereby, maybe we can protect the whole industry. Yes, yep. Yeah, no, totally, yeah. totally agree, Kate. Absolutely yeah. agree. And, and, and ditto with um, New Zealand Foundation Co. New Zealand uh, is taking Chinese beeswax. Okay. And so people should not be using New Zealand Foundation Comb either. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. And know your thoughts. Ask the question. Mm, yes. Definitely. Ask the question of whoever you're buying your foundation comb from, um, what process have they got in place? to detect paraffin yes. before they make the foundation. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And, and um, especially, you know, with paraffin, because not just the candles, but obviously beeswax wraps. Yeah, I mean, you've, yes, you've, exactly. Yeah, the popularity of those, you know, have you seen, when did that first start for you? You know, the beeswax wraps and you've just said, when, uh, when did you We see were this pretty early to it. So yeah. we started making probably eight years ago. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Now every man and his dog and her dog <laughs> are making yes. them. Yes. Um, so that's less exciting for us. Okay, yeah. And, you know, the problem is if you actually buy, like I've bought the wraps that they were selling at Woolies, I've bought the wraps that they're selling at Aldi, um, I've bought wraps at markets, and they actually just don't work. Yes. No. And that mm. upsets me yes. because... It means that they're literally hundreds and if not thousands, thousands, if not tens of thousands of people out there that think that these wax candles are crap. Mm. Um, and I can assure you when you unwrap a bunch of celery after two weeks and it still snaps, <laughs> yes. these wax wraps are not crap. If they're properly made, yes, they're that's right. extraordinary yes. um, for food saving. Yes. So we don't even, for me, Yes, I'm a, I'm passionate about sustainability, but even if you don't give two hoots about the planet, um, beeswax wraps, you know, can be sold on the basis of how long they keep your food fresh, mm. regardless of saving the planet. Yes, they'll save you money. Yes, that's um, exactly that's so so true. Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah, and, and um, last question, Kate. Uh, and I'm going to also tell you, I'm going to put your website in the show notes, uh, queenbee.com.au, which I'll put in there because, uh, and if obviously we're in, you know, Melbourne and uh, recording this, Melbourne and Sydney are in lockdown. So, but you've got an amazing shop in Sydney. So, and South Australia. And South Australia. So, I'm going to yeah. encourage people to check them out because they are absolutely beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Oh, um, thanks, sweetheart. Uh, and la last question, Kate. So knowing what you know now of being, you know, Queen Bee, because you are the original Queen Bee, knowing what you know yeah, now. Yeah, you know, can I just say yes, that the yes. problem with being the Queen Bee was when I called the business Queen Bee, yeah. I didn't realise that when her daughters think she's unproductive, 
they just kick her out and they raise a new queen. So I have uh, been very careful with my staff, Your staff. <laughs> to tell them that they need to work as hard as worker bees work- but that they don't get to usurp the queen. Anyway, knowing what I now know. No, no, I love that. Would I call it queen bee again? No. No, no, no I was going to ask. No, no, I love, no, that queen bee is, I think it's a beautiful name and that just sort of, that's, that's who you are really because you are just an absolutely beautiful soul. You're absolutely Aww. fantastic. You are. Really are, you know. We have met. It was a few years, a few years ago, and but you are, you absolutely, you're a gorgeous, gorgeous woman. Uh, but, uh, and I would really mean that. Um, and it's what you're doing is not just helping. You've created, um, obviously, you got you know employees, which you're giving them. You know, I met some, uh, two of them when I was there, and it's you know they love what they're doing. You know, absolutely, you've got a yeah. beautiful job. So, but um, but so my question is, knowing what you know now, Kate, if you go back say ten or twenty years ago, what's the one thing you would have changed about your business? It was probably that would be the question about your business. Knowing what you know now, go back ten years ago. What would you change? Uh, I've never lost for words. Uh, you should have warned me of that question yes. so I could have thought about it. Um, I, I honestly don't think anything. Okay. Yes. Okay. Because all of it makes us what we are today. So there's been extraordinary challenges over the last 20 years, but it makes us what we are today. Today, Uh, So I don't know. It's been hard, don't get me wrong, but I don't know that I would change anything. It just, it is what it is. And on some level, I feel as if I've chosen everything that happens to me. Yes. Love that. Um, Love that and I believe that. So, yeah, I wouldn't change anything. I'm, you know, I consider myself really lucky to um, to do what I do, as you say, to, you know, work in a business that I'm passionate about and to make a difference yes. uh, is a gift. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Love that answer, Kate. That's your... As, Absolutely, that's absolutely perfect. Absolutely love that, Kate. You're a, thank you so much for your time. Um, the listeners absolutely love this because I I absolutely loved recording this with you. And uh, just about like we couldn't do it just about like we couldn't do it face to face. But thank you so much for your, one day. For your time. Yes, one day. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yes, I'll have to find a new girlfriend in uh, Sydney. Um, <laughs> Sounds dangerous. I've <laughs> so got a hive full of them for you if you'd like. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Kate. You're amazing, and uh, you take care. Thank you so much for your okay. time. Okay. Take care. Bye. 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 How fantastic is Kate? You know, she's an absolute beautiful beautiful soul she's uh, what she's doing and the fact is not just a business for her but she's thinking about other businesses and she's also thinking about the bees um so i just love her passion uh as what she what she does you know working seven days a week you know for 20 years just working and doing what she loves um and how's how's it kirshner the uh the ancient machine the prehistoric machine i was lucky enough to see that and um so don't forget i'm going to put it in the show notes to check out her uh, social handles to because uh to see this machine because it is something absolutely incredible so i'll put that there and um yeah re- interesting about too about the paraffin we're seeing more issues with uh paraffin you know in the beekeeping industry you know getting mixed with beeswax 
Um, I was talking with another beekeeper and it was tested, the wax foundation, I think it was tested, uh, it was coming in over 70% paraffin and less than 30% um, beeswax, which is absolutely shocking. And you actually can see the difference. And a, a story on that, I had a beekeeper, uh, it was about two years ago, uh, caught a swarm uh, just in um, the suburbs of Melbourne hobbyist beekeeper i uh, had to go to a beekeeping shop and get some uh, frames and boxes and so forth and rings me up and goes benny the bees keep on leaving the box and i was asking the question oh you know what are you doing you know when you shake them in the box because they should you know, generally take but he it was about five times he'd catch him put him in the box and the bees would abscond go back into the tree somewhere else and then kept on doing it and i asked him i said what colors the um the beeswax and he says oh it's this real bright orange now the bright orange i thought you know what I wonder if that's got you know, paraffin in it. And that's what actually happened. He actually said, smell it, mate. Does it smell like anything? Does it smell nice? He goes, no, it's got like a funny sort of earthy sort of strange smell. And that's what and that's what it was. It actually had paraffin in the foundation. And the bees don't like it. You know what I mean? Why? And why should they? It's completely and utterly unnatural for them. So, um, so once again, Kate, thank you so much for your time. Uh, really absolutely appreciate that. So, And don't forget, and also appreciate your listeners listening to the podcast and um, you know we come up to 40,000 plays which is absolutely cool and amazing so and don't forget if you want to hear someone or want to hear a subject um, I've got some crackers sort of lined up um, which is going to be awesome but if you want to hear someone you know shoot me for a text message 0437077792 or way to make it better because this is this is for you the listener and I really appreciate you listening Uh, I'm so full of gratitude and thank you for your time until next week bye for now thank you so much for listening to bees with ben podcast and we hope you learned some tips and tricks it would mean a lot if you could please leave a review and don't forget to subscribe to get instant updates when a new episode is uploaded see you next week